0: Listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas, with the voice of Vegas. Your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. The the From the Vegas Strip, here's RJ Bell. Straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell.
1: Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
0: Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's RJ Bell.
1: You heard it, I'm RJ, and woo wee, this is a big one. Another big Monday, the aftermath times two, maybe, the aftermath squared. A lot of action, not only on the football field, but off with Peterson, Steve Fezzik. He works, uh, you know, most weekdays. He's here. How are you feeling, Steve? I'm good,
2: RJ. Uh, A wacky wild card weekend. Wow, six games.
1: The super wild card. Uh, I, you know, I'd like to see that meeting, that marketing meeting. It's like, all right, so this is this is different. We got six games instead of four. What could work? We got the Super Bowl. Hmm. The Super Wild Card. I mean, come on. But again, when you make billions, you just got to kind of smile and figure they know something. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. I'll tell you this much. I've got to start with this. That's dealers pick. Now, I'll say, I'll say as a gambler, when you lose a game and it's not even close, it's weirdly a relief. Obviously, you'd rather win, obviously. But if you're going to lose, it's easier to lose that way. Now, you might say, R.J., that's a sign that you didn't understand the nature of the game. Yeah, except if there's any example, and this is such a great teaching moment of how one game shouldn't tell you all that much ever, is these were the same teams that had Pittsburgh in one of the worst defeats of the year, meaning just a beatdown. The first time they played the Browns, it was a beatdown. You take pretty much the same team, and the Browns beat down the Steelers. It's one thing to have a team win one game and a team to win the other when they play two or whatever. Forget the game with the backups for a second. But when each of them are pure domination, it shows you the football is not round. It bounces funny. These are all human beings. And sometimes they feel good and sometimes they don't. Biorhythms, whatever. And, as you know, completely got to take the responsibility for that stinker and understand it's part of the game. He's in Los Angeles. He's the Joe, Jonas Knox.
3: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a surprise firing in the National Football League. We've got a national championship game to get to later on. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday?
1: You know, Jonas, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Because last, uh, it wouldn't have been this June, but the June before. So 18 months ago, I remember doing this show and it was the Golden State... Finals against Toronto.
2: Right.
1: And there was talk about where Kevin Garnett was going to go. And I heard a lot of shows during the NBA Finals, they were talking more about Kevin Garnett's landing spot than the Finals. And it dawned on me, you know, in baseball they have the – what is that called? The Hot Stove League. Yeah. The the idea that um, you're going to talk about the trades and everything – It's like, I get all that, but to me when the game when the games that matter the most are going on the game should be the story so we'll talk some Peterson later but i think we do a rundown literally of each of the games and maybe let's start with the steelers game cuz i do think that was the biggest shocker
3: yeah it was a shocker at Heinz field an empty Heinz field but it was the cleveland browns all over the pittsburgh steelers 48 37 the final cleveland's at kansas city next weekend
1: Okay, so Fez, let me ask you this question, and we didn't prepare this. So if you need a minute, that's fine. We'll just have dead air. Is <laughs> what would the line be if Pittsburgh played Cleveland next week in Pittsburgh? So everything's the same, and let's assume Stefanski's out also. So we replicate the exact situation. Pittsburgh was five and a half at kick. Yes. What would and you we'll make, make the, the li- v- line? minus four? Minus four. Okay think about that Jonas I mean like they just saw a domination and we're like okay let's move it a point and a half I might move it a little more but not much more so Jonas w- at what point would you bet Pittsburgh? Like what would the line be? Would you bet Pittsburgh at minus four and a half?
3: Well, I I would. I would bet him again right now, even if it was at the same line it was last night. And that's why I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's that's why I'm (laughs) an idiot. That's why I'm terrible at this. But
1: but but what's the rationale? How do you think it through?
3: I I think that Pittsburgh never recovered from that first play. That first play it was almost like the Super Bowl the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl in which the ball went over Manning's head and went into the end zone and turned into a safety. Denver never recovered and I just felt like Pittsburgh got hit in the mouth and by the time they sort of you know got their bearings back, you know, they were within, you know, 13 or whatever it was, but still that defense there was just no way for them to stop Cleveland at that point and it just they couldn't stop the bleeding so i just looked at that one play set him up for failure but if these two teams met again i would still take pittsburgh
1: i think that's a very in, in a way a sharp comment because and in, in let me be very specific i believe that there's certain plays that have a randomness to them that has a luck factor that affects many more plays down the road and i think it's dangerous to try to extrapolate what those plays are unless it's totally obvious because we've all heard Fez where he'll talk about one pass that was three inches overthrown in the second. A team loses by, let's say, 17, and they were laying eight. He'll find a way to make it <laughs> that they should have covered because of that one pass. But but but, I also think this – and, Fez, you can tell me what you think. There, were a, there was a time or two – and maybe you can remember this in-game. At what point in the game after the 28 nothing, was Pittsburgh did Pittsburgh have the best odds? And can you recall what those were?
2: Yeah, when Pittsburgh had cut the lead to 12, early in the fourth quarter, they had drove to close to midfield. At that point, Pittsburgh was about a five-point underdog, RJ. So, Pittsburgh was clearly
1: back in the game at that point. So, so if you had to guess the percentage chance of winning, what would you say? Right around about 27%. So... Almost one in three at that point. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't follow the analytics in regards to every Twitter person thinking they know. But it feels like Tomlin made a couple of decisions that consensus was strongly against when it came for going for two and different things. Would you agree with that, Fez?
2: Yeah, absolutely. One was he just didn't even look at the chart, and he kicked an extra point to go down 12 Got to go for two there late in the third quarter. And then the most egregious of them all, fourth and one close to midfield. It's in the fourth quarter. They're trailing by 12. No one stopped anyone all game long, RJ. And Tomlin punted. And I've been saying this for years Tomlin's a really good coach. He just needs to stop trying to become, to learn more about game management and just outsource it. Hire someone to tell him what to do in those situations.
1: Yeah. Have you ever been around a chief executive? Of course. Do they like to be told what to do? No. I mean that's the catch22, right? is everyone says that and it's always interesting the people who say outsource it are usually the ones that think they might get that job. <laughs> right? I mean, do you think there's do you think that there's any NFL how many NFL teams do you think if they had a headset from your cell phone to their headset would improve their decision making in game if they had you, being able to veto to say, like, let's say whenever you wanted, you could say, nope, veto, fezic veto, punt here. How many times you, half, half would get, see, Fez, I mean, think about this, Jonas, we got Fez <laughs> at, a, at such a discount, the fact that half the teams would benefit from that. I mean, I, it sounds a little absurd to me, but all that said, I do think the Steelers are about as bad as you get at those things. And, the turn, Big Ben being loose with the ball, it just shows you. We, are, you know, in the Greek tragedies, Greek drama, they have the idea of, you know, the Achilles heel, the, you know, which came from, I guess, the Odyssey or the uh, Iliad, is the idea that there's this one thing, this one thing that has always caused this person problems. And in the end, it will be his ultimate undoing. It's like we all know the people that can't find their keys, right? They just are so disorganized they can't find their keys. At some point, they probably are going to lose a job or they're going to who knows what because they can't find their keys. And we all know with our own fatal flaws that, that we, we, we hate them, but we just can't change them. And with the Steelers, when Big Ben was at his best, he could be loose with the ball, but overcome it because he would make occasionally he'd make a big play on those kind of scrambles and it's all worth it. And once you lose a little bit off of your physical skills, Big Ben, I think was the prototype of as he went from being ninety nine point nine nine percent physically dominant to just ninety nine. I mean if you think about it, Big Ben, if he walks in any room, is probably the best athlete if there's if this is not like an NFL room. Right? Still to this moment, but he's not at this level. It's like Usain Bolt is still mighty fast, but he's not gonna win the hundred right now against the fastest people. And to me, when a player who doesn't have all of the decimal points right starts to lose it physically, they they can't maintain like some others can. Like Brady obviously has some physical deterioration, but he's still playing at a high, high level. Because he had all the small stuff right, Jonas. Does that resonate with you looking at Big Ben?
3: Yeah, and I just I think if you're Pittsburgh, it's obvious Ben Roethlisberger can't carry the team anymore. That's obvious. Everybody can see that. It's it's the fact and we've talked about it on the show. They have no running game. Like they're they're not they don't run the ball. So you've got an aging quarterback, and you're pairing him up with a lack of a running game. That's just that that sp- speaks to disaster. It's why Philip Rivers was having success this year. The more they ran the ball and had success running the ball, the better it was for Philip Rivers. He wasn't having to do so much. Same thing with Drew Brees when they started implementing a rushing attack. It just felt like they were trying to expect Ben Roethlisberger to do Ben Roethlisberger things at this age coming off of surgery. And it just didn't it didn't equate to
1: much. And I do think with the O-line as a Steelers fan, I don't blame them. And here's why. For the most part, it's the same O line. It's just they've gotten older. And to some degree, you don't know when someone gets old. I mean, Fez has been saying Brady's going to hit the wall now. It's really eight years now, isn't it, Steve? Maybe nine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was like I can remember, Jones, I'm not lying, like in 2000, like, like 13 or maybe even, yeah, That in the preview, it's like, yep, I think this is the year Brady drops off. And it's like he's going to. You're going to be right at some point. but Keep saying it. But you just never know. And it also, to kind of speak to the Patriots a minute, it shows you how amazing it was that this was Brady's first wild card or first game as a wild card in his career. So think about that. The one year, you know, his first year he didn't start. Second year they won the Super Bowl and won the division. And the one year the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, they were 11-5, and five, but it was the castle year. So Brady only quarterbacked, uh, I think it was the first game, right? The half About halftime of the first game. So imagine that for a second. The guy not only made the playoffs every year that he started more than one game, <laughs> But he never had to get there from a wild card. I mean, we can act like it's because the Jets have been so bad. The Jets made two championship games, right? you know, AFC championship games under Sanchez and Ryan. And, I mean, I know they haven't been great teams, but when you get beat twice a year by the Patriots most years, yeah, you're not going to have a great record usually. So I, it, I find it amazing because Pittsburgh's thinking we drafted all these O-linemen early. They used a lot of draft capital on those guys. Pouncey was a first-round pick. DeCastro was a first-round pick. And they figure we got the line covered. And it was very forward-thinking of the Steelers when they started drafting the linemen. It was right when Big Ben was about 30 or so. And it was like, okay, he's not going to be this guy anymore as he— ages. Let's get him a good O-line. And I think it's extended his career, to be honest. But at some point, you can't take care of your D-backs, your receivers, your running backs, and your O-line all at once. And that's why the fact the Patriots somehow, like people would say, Brady doesn't have any weapons. Yeah, because Belichick's a genius. He understands Brady can still be an above average quarterback without the weapons. And now he's drafting guys on the defense. And I and net-net, they were the best team possible, even though you could point at things and say they need more of this. And what would they do with those positions, the Patriots? They would take flyers on guys. Sometimes they'd work like Randy Moss, and sometimes they didn't. But when they didn't, they didn't usually spend a lot of money. So it, it's like, just don't think when Bel- why Belichick's wrong. Just try to understand what he's doing. And Pittsburgh's not Belichick. As good as I think the Steelers organization is, this is what happens, right? When you get one position group straight, you cycle through, and that, and that group's old by the time you get a chance to get back to them.
3: And also, you talk about Belichick. Just look at the last two Super Bowls they were in. You could not pick two more opposite teams to take to a Super Bowl than what they did because they had the game against Philly where Brady threw for 500 yards, and then they lost that game. And then the very next year, they're in the Super Bowl again against the Rams, and they put up 13 points, and they just ran the ball down their throats.
1: Now, Jonas, is this a professional way of like setting up a tease to Peterson?
3: (laughs) No, no, not at all. Because if
1: so, you're working at a level I don't even understand. (laughs) Here's what we'll do we'll take our first break. I think we got the Pittsburgh, you know, and I guess to wrap it looking forward, Big Ben's like, I think, is it 42 or 52 million on the cap next year? I mean, Pittsburgh's going to have some down years. And it's kind of a shame because. This defense really is. This defense, healthy, is the best defense in the NFL, I believe. And they just had too many losses there. And to me, it goes back to. And we'll talk about this in the off season. As great as Fitzpatrick has been, their safety was it a mistake? Because the theory is, if they had played, you know, they got lucky last year being eight and eight. They got very lucky. As well as they played that defense, they sh- probably should have been a five-win team. Do you agree with that, Fez?
2: Yeah, they outright stole games. And you mentioned Minka Fitzpatrick, who's had a big part to do with that, single-handedly winning two games on pick sixes over the course of the year.
1: Yeah, so uh, he's been a great pickup. And it's hard to ever complain. But you just got to wonder if they would have picked like the sixth or seventh pick, let's say, and which they probably would have had if the game had gone normally. And like you said, maybe Fitzpatrick's part of the reason they did better. I think he is is they would have been able to take a really talented quarterback that maybe was a little bit of a project. And, like, love this year would have been perfect, you know. And I guess this would have – you know, I don't think they would have taken him that high, but because Big Ben at least had one more year left, but at least you'd have someone waiting in the wings. Right now it's Mason Rudolph. So unless they're able to sign a Carson – you know, trade for a Carson Wentz, which I don't necessarily want that – Or, you know, maybe Watson. I'm starting to hear he might get traded. Pittsburgh might have a couple down years because, as we've seen, if you don't have an elite quarterback, it's hard to be better than 8-8. Speaking of potentially elite, when we come back, Baker Mayfield, what do we think of the Browns? And we'll do what we're going to do with all the games, tell you the early line for the matchup against Kansas City.
3: So, RJ, uh, the Indianapolis Colts had their chances. They were on the road at the Bills. But in the end, a Hail Mary by Phillip Rivers couldn't get it done. And Buffalo, your 27-24 win to open up Super Wildcard Weekend in the AFC.
1: Yeah, that was a fascinating game. I, what I'd like to do quickly, call an audible and finish up the Browns a little bit, because we did talk a ton of Steelers. Uh, Fez, and then we'll get to the Buffalo next Fez, what do you think about the Browns? How much did you upgrade them?
2: I only upgraded the Browns half a point, RJ. I well, that makes that
1: sense, right? The biggest win in franchise history. They dominate <laughs> a team that was undefeated about six weeks ago. Explain.
2: Well, how much competence did the Cleveland Brown defense show by having Pouncy snap the ball over Big Ben's head and then Big Ben throw three more
1: interceptions well, in the so first he, half? Well, hold on a second. So interceptions... I get the idea that there's some luck involved, but we're going to act like the turnovers don't happen? Like I'm confused. So I mean, it feels like someone taught you that turnovers have a luck element to them and now you're going to remove turnovers from the equation. I mean, are we really going to act like they don't matter? I mean, I'm doesn't pressure act- doesn't pressure lead to turnovers?
2: Yes, it does. But Big Ben didn't get sacked the entire game.
1: Yeah, because he was thrown into the other team (laughs) before he went down. Maybe he should have got sacked a few times. Right? Uh, It seems like you're a contrarian. It seems like that when a team, like, you love the idea of upgrading a team by a half a point when they lose. And you love the idea of a dominating team only getting upgraded a half a point. You just love it. In your heart, you think, this makes me special because I see this. And I think everyone else is going to say the Browns did good. But I am going to say no because I know why they did good. Admit I it. Think
2: in, in, <laughs> I admit it, but in this case, I am confident that I am right. That You're this was always more confident,
1: about- Steve. Every bet I've ever taken from you, you were confident when you made it. You were confident Green Bay had a chance to get the second seed, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. All right. So what I'm saying is McKenzie. What, what, when you looked at that Browns game, had a research pregame.com, what did you think? I thought, wow, the vaunted Steelers defense is not what it used to be. So it wasn't anything Cleveland did?
2: Well, no. Cleveland's been a imp- very impressive performance by Cleveland, taking advantage of a Steelers defense that was not, in midseason form, missing key pieces.
1: I mean, 48 right. points. 48 points. Hey, Feds, go up. Go over and turn his mic off. Just mute it. Done. (laughs) Jonas, what did you see with the eyes of the fan?
3: with uh, the Cleveland Browns kept their foot on the gas the entire game that was really
1: impressive it which went, was vital because at one point it was 12 at the yeah
3: end. and and Chris Collinsworth even pointed this out during the broadcast where it, you you would assume okay well they're all banged up and you know you don't have your play caller and so so maybe you've got a lead uh, you know run the ball you've, you've been a really good running team all season long so just run the football and they didn't they trusted Baker Mayfield they put him in spots he made throws and when Pittsburgh made the decision to punt the ball on fourth and one, that to me ended their chance because the very next drive, Cleveland went down, uh, scored a touchdown. I think it was a screen pass to Chubb, awful tackling by the Pittsburgh defense. And I give the Browns credit. They did not lay back. They didn't try and hold on to the lead. They were aggressive
1: the entire time, and it paid off. I think that's a great point. And I also think this, maybe some of the upgrades shouldn't be intrinsically how good they are. 'Cause I think Steve does have a point. A lot of this was Pittsburgh's mistakes that you could give credit to the other team, but still but also the confidence. You know, there's a a, a little known part of the wire, right? So Jason Whitlock always talks the wire. I love the wire. I think it's probably the, I have it as the third best show of all time. But there's this time in the f- fifth season. Or Michael, who was was a young... When you met him, he was only like 14 or 15. And he killed... You know, this is a a show about violence and crime. And he ends up shooting someone. And the guy who was his mentor looked him in the eye right after and says... He goes, now you can look anyone in the eye. And the theory being, in this culture of violence, of killing... That now that you've made your bones, as the Italians called it... You are somebody that has to be feared because you went past that, that chasm of killing someone. And again, not that we're glorifying that. We're talking about this culture. And I think in a way, if you're Baker Mayfield, when you're down 12 at a given point, you're going to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've done something like this before. I didn't have my coach. We were playing a team that had beat a 17 straight at that venue, and we won. And I think the confidence that comes from that, that self-confidence, is super meaningful. What do you think, Fez?
2: Absolutely. And yeah, kudos to the play calling and to Mayfield's execution. Jonas nailed it. You're up 12. It's the fourth quarter. You got... You know, a backup coach, you're going to hand the ball off three times and punt, right? Nope. Super aggressive. Six plays later, they're in the end zone. Game over.
1: He's the best recapper we've got. Steve Fezzik, we're straight (laughs) out of Vegas, reiterating Jonas's point. Now, let me ask you one last question. Amongst your half-point upgrade, how much of that is the confidence? Like a 16th of a point? Or how, how do you account for that?
2: You know, I had not made an adjustment for the confidence level, but I—that that is a really key point that here's a team that never wins in Pittsburgh, and they get that win and never goes to the playoffs, and they get a playoff win. That um, I'm going to have to think about what an adjustment I'm going to need to make for that.
1: <laughs> well, he once again repeated my point very well. That's Steve Fezzik. Now, here's something that I want you to read from the screen. What is the line Kansas City and the Browns? Kansas City's laying 10, RJ. Ooh. Now, does that feel right to you? What's it your does what's your feel, early thought? You know, it feels a little bit inflated. So, if you if you force play right now, you take the Browns.
2: <laughs> I would. Yes.
1: All right. Well, we have the rest of the week to make it official. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell, we're straight out of Vegas. Jonas, let's talk about the Bills game, but you kind of announced this, so let me ask you first from a fan's perspective, what did you see?
3: Uh, I, I felt like the Bills survived more than they won. And they, and you could tell Sean McDermott and them were very relieved with how the game went because there was an opportunity there for Indianapolis to steal that game. There was an opportunity for Indianapolis at the end of the first half to put up put on some points uh, and really put Buffalo in a tough spot. And then you had some close calls on the sidelines uh, for the Bills in the first half, which ultimately ended up leading them going into halftime with the lead on a scoring drive. But I wonder, and you just made the point about Cleveland and the confidence now that they've sort of you know, gotten over the hurdle, so to speak. And its I'm wondering the same about the Bills, because there was a lot of pressure. They hadn't won a playoff game since the mid-'90s. Um, you know, All this talk about the Music City Miracle and their last two playoff appearances and how they performed in those games and Josh Allen melting down. Well, now they do have that win. Now they get their win against Indianapolis, and I wonder if maybe this propels them moving forward and maybe they'll make a run.
1: I agree 100%, though I'm not sure for the same reasons. And you can tell me if if we're talking the same thing here. I believe it was getting too easy for them in a way. And when you haven't fallen, every time, listen, every movie that's ever been done about the rise and the fall of somebody is they get to that top and they've never fallen. So for them, they think I'm the exception. I'm the one that's not going to get old. I'm the one that's not going to, you know, I can drink and drive. I can do whatever. Well, no, kids, you can't. I mean, if you've ever seen behind the music. And, <laughs> and to me, the Bills could have been in a situation that it all felt too easy. And to have to really fight and claw and play a tough game like that and come out ahead, I think advances you, obviously but it also says man we better we did some stuff wrong. Fed's always talks about and I think it's really a good point is a team that lost the last time against a team has an advantage cuz they are willing to change. And the team who won even though it might be good to change, you don't want to change because you just won. And I think the Bills won, but they it was close enough that they they might look at things anew for this Baltimore game and not only have the intensity that comes from almost losing but also open mind to maybe make some changes. I I if buff I know Buffalo's good. If they had won by 21 points in this game, I would like them less this week against the Ravens. The fact they won but it was a tight tough game, it doesn't tell me much about how good they are, right? It was just yeah. the randomness of the game. But I think their focus and their openness to, to evolve is going to be really high. Fez, what do you think of that?
2: Yeah, Buffalo was up 14 in this game, and frankly, they got a little too conservative. And I think, like you said, it was good that at the end game they were only up by three, and that defense, which did not play well for Buffalo all game long, got to go ahead and shine at the end of the game. And it was the defense that won the game that has to give them confidence.
1: Yeah. So you know, Jonas, how cool would it be to sit and watch every game and know the mistakes the teams are making? (laughs) You know, just to say too conservative, too. Now, Fez. Could you advise multiple teams at once, do you think?
2: <laughs> I think I could multi-table three games at once.
1: Yeah, yes. so you. So if they just had a headset, you'd have to make sure you got the right phone. But if you had three phones and you'd be like, have a secretary and go, uh, patching the Steelers. And then you would tell them what to do and you'd go patching the Browns. I mean, now what happens if those teams played each other?
2: Well, there's a conflict of interest. I can't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be complicated. We're going to work through this. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
3: The national championship kicks off in a little over an hour from now in Miami. It is number one, Alabama, and number three, Ohio State. And right now on pregame.com, the Crimson Tide are a nine-point favorite.
1: This line is up. It was as low as seven at different points. It opened higher, went down. Now back up, I think that we can't forget, of all the college football games in a year, this game is bet the most. That means there's bettors who are not typically college football bettors getting involved. That means it's going to be a more recreational line. What does that mean? Whatever the biases are that a recreational fan, a recreational better would fall into they're going to fall into them more often in these big games because that's the games they're betting. So, for example, uh, name recognition, right? Now, Ohio State has great name recognition, but Alabama has been dominating over the last 10 years plus. So I think, in general, you're going to get that bias. I think there's value on Ohio State. And if I were playing it, and I'm probably going to play it, I haven't played it yet, I'd probably put ha- – uh, Two thirds of my bet on the Buckeyes plus the nine, or it might go up a little bit, and some on the money line. Because as we've seen, the amount of variance in these college football games is much higher than an NFL game. In even NFL games, you get blowouts, but in general, the lines aren't as tight. There's a bet, and that's why you shouldn't tease college football games ever, really. I don't think there's ever a situation you should tease them if you're trying to make money. One last thing, then we'll get Fez's pick. The Buckeyes are all four- and five-star recruits. These are the creme de la creme being split up amongst the Clemsons now, Alabama, et cetera. They don't like being the underdog. And if you go back to 2008, that's a dozen-plus years now, Ohio State has been a three-point or bigger underdog, a field goal or more, 13 times. They're 13-0 against the spread. Perfection. 13-0 against the spread. And in those games, they won 10 of 13. So as an underdog of a field goal or more, they're 10-3. and three. I believe that's about these great five-star athletes not wanting to be the underdog. And they're a big underdog, even bigger than they were against Clemson, even though they dominated Clemson. I think you get a real focused performance. It's not a huge bet but I'll take the Buckeyes. Fez, what about you?
2: Ohio State, and I like your money line idea, Ohio State plus 275, RJ. Whole lot of uncertainty about Ohio State. Here's a team that only played six regular season games. There was COVID issues. And let's face it, Ohio State really hadn't played any team that was competitive with them all year long. Uh, so, until so
1: explain something to me. How is it that you're playing, not playing a lot of games makes you want to play on Ohio State?
2: because Ohio State could be a whole lot better than what we think they are, because I really have only one data point with them playing an elite team that was the most recent one against Clemson where they dominated.
1: All right, now this is an interesting point. What Fez is saying is the unknown is broader. Typically, if you have 13 games or whatever they've played and they played a full conference schedule, you're going to know more about the truth of the Buckeyes. Now, that means they could be worse than we think. But now when you have them, the most recent game, playing what some thought was the second-best team, most thought the second-best team in the country, and to dominate them, that's a sign that, hey, we don't know for sure. There's uncertainty because they played so few games, but maybe they're better than we even think. By the way, they were never less than a 12-point favorite in any game this year before the Clemson game, the Buckeyes. They were a 12-point favorite against one team, 16 against another, and 20 or more in every other game. Jonas, what's your quick thoughts?
3: Uh, yeah, I, I, that seems like a lot of points for Ohio State. And DeFez's point, we don't know really what we have with them. My big concern and my biggest drawback from Ohio State is there's been reports that they've got COVID issues, that the defensive line has got some issues, the defensive line has, has got some players that have popped up with it. I haven't seen any confirmation on exactly who's going to be gone. Um, the, you wonder about the rib issue or the rib injury suffered by Justin Fields. There's the thought he's going to get a shot and he should be okay. But I would wonder if early in the game, while he still has that shot and still has the medicine in him, if that's when Ohio State's going to take chances down the field and really try and throw and, and, and and make some explosive plays because he's going to be healthier than he would be probably towards the end of the game when the pain when the pain starts to set in
1: well unless it's the chargers doctor that's true yeah. sure should go okay <laughs> all right so that is true. we all seem to like the buckeyes maybe first half is what jonas is saying that's interesting if that do you like that at all Fetch quickly the first half maybe because of the field situation
2: Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. So Buckeyes plus five and a half to plus six first half, I think is a good way to get at it.
1: Okay, tomorrow we're going to go over the rest of the games, but I want to tease you guys with one concept here. Think about the Ravens and think about if they didn't have that mid-season lull with all the COVID stuff, how much that affected everyone's opinion. And then think about the fact that if they hadn't lost that one game against Kansas City so convincingly. Because other than that, You could make the case the Ravens are the best team in the NFL. If you remove those couple of games, now, I know you can't do that. But what I'm saying is that the way they're playing now maybe is as good as anyone in the NFL. And I don't think people realize that that's going to be interesting to dig into.